I'm Mark Kermode and I listen to the movie Bunker Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker Club podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I might start that again. Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast um, with me, Matt. Hey, it's me, Chris. It's been a while, hence the shaky start, hasn't it, Chris? Yeah. We've been on holidays and I've, I've had surgery and, and been elsewhere as well. We've had a busy few weeks. It's been four weeks of chock-a-blockness. Yeah, but we're back with a Halloween special. <laughs> 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 so what have we got coming up on the podcast Chris well the usual fare we'll review the film obviously that's what we're here to do we'll have some funny reviews to do it's often hilarious isn't it <laughs> <laughs> often <laughs> uh, and I managed to get an interview with film journalist Helen O'Hara and if you're not familiar with her work she's a writer for Empire Magazine this is uh, quite the coup for us Chris I don't know it's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, plus, yeah. It's good. It's good. Station. Um, she was very, very um, accommodating and agreed to talk to me. <laughs> but yeah, before we sort of delve in, in your eloquent way, eloquent way rather. Would in my you, elephant way. In your elephant way. Uh, <laughs> would you like to explain to our listeners, uh, or new and old, and remind yes. them what we do on this bloody yeah. thing? I'm going to use my rich deep voice and get really close to the microphone. Go on then. Speak slowly. So the, the point of the podcast is... To find a niche so we actually get some listeners. No. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the point of the podcast is that we um, we thought that reviewers and critics were horrible to films, generally speaking, and that we would go out and watch all the critically panned films in the hope and off chance that we would find a critically panned film that didn't belong in the bargain bin DVD section in the you know in the two for one bulk buy makeup bit that we would elevate it and sing its praises and bring it to you that's the purpose of the podcast is to find that film we're not here to rip the poop out of films that's just a side effect of these horrible films that we end up watching yeah yeah but yeah so that is the purpose to find the gem the underrated movie the criminally underrated movie not just underrated some people think you know stuff like signs is underrated um other films other films are also <laughs> underrated but no this the this film would be massively underrated and lambasted and yeah but wrongly so mm. and we will we will find it one day chris we will i think so it's inevitable i mean we're f- this is episode 15 i believe if i'm right in my maths uh, or and <laughs> or counting. Uh? This is called or counting. Counting. Am I right? In my math, counting maths, and we haven't found one yet, have we? No, no. We've we've come to the conclusion that critics generally know what they're talking about. Tell you what, I am. Tell you what is happening to me is that I'm becoming fond of the process, and I'm becoming fond of some of the films that we have reviewed that are still bad, but I yeah. I look back on them with some degree of affection because the process is quite funny and good fun and yeah. uh, and actually there are things about these movies that which which can be endearing uh, once you sort of analyze them to some sort of degree um, that's what's happening there are a couple in there that I don't I wouldn't wouldn't give any time of day uh, to again but things like tank girl and you know alienator and the resort and 
2012 are funny in their own right because they're so... so I, I'd forgot almost completely about the resort that we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably watch that again. Like if I was flicking through ITV2, yeah, yeah. a few too many beers, yeah. and on it was, then I would probably settle down and finish watching it. Because, it, you know, it wouldn't be the beginning of the film. ITV2 films are never at the beginning when you start watching. No, no, they're usually, yeah, halfway through. And it's usually always... Um, <laughs> Hot Fuzz, isn't it? Hot Fuzz is always the film that uh, I flick over to ITV2 and it's playing halfway through. May as well finish watching that then. So, yes, we're back with a Halloween special. Yes, we're not going to watch Halloween or any of the Halloween films, so we thought... No. Let's do Insidious Chapter 4. What's it called? (laughs) Something like Keys? The Last last key. Key. Here's the trailer. People who need help with matters that can't be explained come to me. These hauntings can be terrifying things. I should know. I've faced many evils in my life. This one is different though. The haunted house. It's my family's house. If we can find out what it is, we can stop this curse. To end this evil, I need to go deeper into the further. I don't have memories from this place. I have scars. I am going to find it and I'm going to finish it. Can I say something about the trailer actually straight away? Yeah. There's so much in the, in this trailer. Because I watched the trailer because I went to YouTube for my um, Ute comments for later on. Yeah. And there was so much in the trailer that's not in this film. I reckon about half of the trailer didn't make it into the film. Well, there is an alternative ending which has got a lot of scenes or characters in that have been jettisoned for a, a, a main uh, ending. But it wasn't just like the end. There, like obviously, there was, a, there was an obvious... Yeah, bit in the end where there was weird little characters running around like some sort of uh, Hellraiser 2 pastiche. But no, there was like other bits where she, the woman was in the cupboard and there was, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was, after watching the film, uh, then seeing that, I was like, oh, that's, that's, I mean, obviously quite often bits don't make it from trailer to film, but there was, you know, notable sections <laughs> that were just not in the film at all. I don't know if there was a director's cut launched at any point. No, I don't, well, there may, there may be possibly be but uh, i don't it would seem a silly thing to do based on the uh the lukewarm response that this film got (laughs) okay right so chris can you give me one of your um, wonderful world famous um plop synopsises i can indeed it's a really short one as well okay so this is a it starts off with a with a bit of a tongue twist for me because you know i can't really speak properly so paro psychologist dr elise rayner faces her most fearsome and personal haunting yet as she is drawn back to her ghostly childhood home where the terror began so if you are embedded in the insidious franchise then you're going to know this character very well dr elise rayner because or rainier yeah because she is one of the main or not a main character but a, a, a savant if you like uh, if yeah. we look at the tropes and the, the 
plot points and character-driven stuff about, you know, horror. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it. I mean, have you seen any of the previous Insidious? No, I haven't. Uh, actually, no, yes, I have. I've seen the Insidious, the first one, which I thought was, was quite spooky. Different director, I think it was James Wan. But does, does this character pitch up in that film as the sort of, like, saviour? Yes, exactly. She is um, sort of like part of a ghost-hunting troupe. She's like the weird, squeaky woman from Poltergeist. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, exactly. This is uh, the prequel to that film so the Insidious film so it's basically how she I think at the end of this film The Last Key you see her take the call from the original Insidious right so yeah this is where it kind of all began uh, if you like for the, for that character or, and giving her her own sort of standalone film yeah so she goes from being sort of like the bit part third act saviour to becoming the sort of origins piece of this mm. she's you know played by a reasonably good actress yeah has it yeah. has a good part so although i only remember her really from kingpin as the um landlady <laughs> and from um something about mary uh, with the you know in very very um horror trope kind of way you did the you get the bump and scare where you think you're about to see um, Cameron Diaz's boobs and it ends up being some leathery old ropey boobs oh it's, is that, the, is that the, the character she kisses the dog like with all her lips yes. out yes yeah that's how oh it's, that's is it yes yeah, so I'd only ever really seen comedic roles before um, and they're this oh wow I didn't know that yeah Elise Rainier is, is played by Lynn Shay and let's see Lynn Shay she's been in a few things then let's have a look um, you're right you're absolutely right there's there something go, about see? Mary yeah she's the leathery tit woman yes <laughs> yes um, she's um, been in, in lots of films. She's got, got a Kingpin she, down there. One of my favourite comedies, underrated comedies. There you go. There's another film that's underrated. Kingpin is better. Than it is good. Yeah, it is good. But there's this. I mean, in terms of the cast, she's um, holding this film up because she's obviously got quite a lot of history with the franchise. But the, a lot of the other actors are sort of bit part actors, if you if you like. There's not many um, that you would. She was in a Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, really? The only other person I recognise from this. From this Critters. She was in Critters. Sorry, mate. I'm just going through reading the list. Critters is good. I love Critters. The Running Man. I don't remember in that. No. Big Ass Spider. She was in that. Brewster's Millions. Great film. She's a seasoned actor. Yeah. In this film, though, as I say, there's, there's not a great deal of other characters you, or actors you may recognise. The only one I can no. suggest is uh, Bruce Davison, who plays uh, Christian Rainier, her brother or estranged brother, who's been in quite a lot of tv and he was in uh, the original x-men film the the brian singer he was one. the rubber man wasn't he that's right that's right and another chap called kirk ace Fedo plays um like another a sort of freaky big part character in this film he's been in, in lots of tv and he was in thin red line and a couple of other movies that i've seen yeah the rest are i, I mean could even tell you or, or re- i don't recognize them or see them i've seen them in anything since or, or post this film Okay, so um, if for people who haven't seen them, I because I haven't seen any, the any Insidious. This is the first one. I, I don't think it, you don't need to have seen any others. This is kind of nicely self-contained. Um, I was quite happy actually. I was when it started because I was expecting because it was a fourth. I was expecting quite a lot of exposition or hack-eyed attempts to sort of cram in lots of insidious history that mm. you know you might need to know but obviously as you pointed out it looks like it's a uh, an origins prequel kind of film mm. um so that none of that's necessary you she starts off it starts off as um her as a small child probably the scariest part i think is probably the the opening 10 minutes or so mm. where she's a she's a child and you have like yeah <laughs> 
uh, child running across the room and <laughs> oh that <laughs> yes yeah in, in a sixth sense uh, sort of styly yeah she has this gift that she can you know reach people in the f- in the further which is uh, almost like another she can see dead people yeah yeah, well, Christ, don't do that. Um, yeah, sorry. It's almost like uh, the upside down, if you like, Stranger Things type environment, but not yeah, really. But with be- worse special effects and quite a lot of dry ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the film or 20 minutes of the film just sort of establish her her background in, and um, yeah. what a horror shitty fatherhood she had. Um, sorry, shitty childhood she had. Yeah, I have to admit, like within like uh, the first... I'd say go as far as the first first twenty, maybe fifteen fifteen minutes. I was watching this. I think I, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, we've made a mistake here. Yeah, this is a very passable, you know, well shot horror film. Yeah. You know, nothing groundbreaking, but nothing that I can really get my teeth into as a as a a, a shite movie. But as a, fortunately yeah. <laughs> for us, as it progresses, it just kind of gets worse and worse, and it loses its way very quickly. Yeah, which is weird because it's it has such like a a definite opening, like yeah. a oh, this is the reason for things and. I mean, it just kind of like, well, fuck that. Here's, here's a suitcase, here's a scare, here's a suitcase, here's a scare. Oh, what's behind you? Uh. It's juggling lots of um, themes and struggling lots of ideas and, and doesn't really follow through with any of them. I mean, it doesn't really make no. sense to me at all. There's There's lots of concept in it but no real kind of um there's no kind of pay uh pay out no. yeah that, that's my overwhelming feeling feeling of this is that it opened lots of things that i was expecting to be important or closed off and then they just turned out to be never mentioned again mm. or or just just seriously unimportant <laughs> We, so we start off with um, her having her powers explained away. She's got a shit dad um, who beats her because she can see ghosts. And then one of the beatings, she ends up getting locked in the cellar with well, my, my favourite line of the movie, which is, um, if you can't live with, by my rules under my roof, you'll live under my floor. <laughs> God. It's, <laughs> it's like parenting masterclass. What a, gr- what a great dad he was, eh? <laughs> what, a, what a great dad he was, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and, and like, yeah, the thing is, a lot of the stuff where you can go, oh, it's stupid because this, there's so many horror tropes that are followed, like, you know, at that point, rather than just sitting at the top of the stairs, he decides to go deeper into the very dark cellar area. Yeah. Um, Which is massive. Things. Yeah, huge. I mean, the house is sprawling. Yeah. Absolutely massive. And actually, all the all the space is under the house. I mean, there's tubes and pipes and God knows what. Who <laughs> has storm drains in there? Yeah, there's, there's uh, rooms that lead onto other rooms. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. I know it's built into a prison, right? Because the guy, the dad, is a, a prison guy who lives on site. Yeah, but you wouldn't have pipes connecting your no. house to the prison. That would seem to be a, a, a massive security floor. No, and there's this massive generator in the in the uh, basement which she cranks up and she makes this almighty racket. No one goes, hey, turn the fucking generator off. It's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to be set in the dark. Yeah. Get back on the naughty step. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as you say, sorry, she starts to explore, doesn't she? And that's when... Yeah. Uh, yeah, then she meets like the... This is one of the, the, the first introduction to the big bad... So she's like looking around, and then, um, then the little child's voice: "Hey, I got loads of light down here. Come, come open." 
There's a key over there. So you're more powerful than you know. Open, open the door. And like like any small child, she does exactly what she's told yeah. when she's told. And in she goes and opens up this weird, well, it looks like Zul's palace. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she opens it up and instantly her mum comes down and gets murdered by whatever she let A piece out. of string. A piece of string, yeah. The the, uh, the all-powerful demon uses a piece of string to hang her mum. But then it cuts away and then we're like, oh no, what would possibly happen with like, you know, psycho dad? And then apparently 10 years passes and nothing much happens really. So, well, no, I mean, yeah. this, this house has got some sort of evil energy in it, hasn't it? Some sort of thing that makes people in it do... Uh, abduct women and keep them in a cellar it transpires and okay Wait, so this is this is the start <sighs> of the, the thread so yeah this is there's so many of these weird little threads so when she opens the door to let the beast out like first of like then you see this hand come round the door and it like <laughs> like a fucking demon doesn't know where the fucking keyhole is straight away it's like oh where's the fucking key gone <laughs> <laughs> And it's like slowly fingering up and down the door, finds the key, throws the key on the floor and then like spiders his hand across and then the key joins his... Finger. Like, yeah, was, there was a missing key gap. Yes. Where his, where his finger was. But is it like a walking up. kind of Swiss army knife, isn't it? Edward Key hands. <laughs> <laughs> Which, well, I'm going to jump about a bit because... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Matthew. It, it doesn't matter. Doesn't but matter. Uh, there's a bit later on where um, you see the demon and the demon uses these, this key, at least one of these keys, to shut people up by sticking it in their throat and turning the lock and then yeah. they can no longer make any noise. Yeah. But like there's this bit where it looks like he's he can't find which key to you. <laughs> it's like which one which one of these is it? It's like, what the fuck? It's like it's your key hand, dude. Just, <laughs> it's it's your index one. You've used it three times already. It's kinda of like, no, it's not that one, it's not that one. Oh, what is that one for even the thing is about this um this demon character is it's uh quite generic now in terms of what we've seen on screen already so it's this yeah. very tall thin gangly uh spooky uh walks in a very particular way sort of kind of spiderish uh, and we've seen that quite a lot in recent horror and especially yeah. in films like mama and uh, anything from Totoro, um, where there's a lot of um, physicality to a character. This is definitely comes straight out of that. So it's got like a scully looking face and a wispy hair and it's all pale. And it's, I mean, it's, it looks unpleasant, but it's, there's nothing. I want to know what it looked like before it lost its nose. Because its nose hole is huge. It's got a big nose hole, hasn't it? It would have had a massive schnoz. It looks a lot like, do you know, are you familiar with uh, Iron Maiden and their uh, album yes. artwork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks a lot like Eddie, Eddie? Um, yeah, in my view. I wonder if that was deliberate. But anyway, uh, this, the demon itself and what it does and why it's there and, you know, how it was created and what its purpose is, is never explained. And right. I, I know it comes from this further place, as they call it, a lot like some of the other demons that you see, I think, in the, in the other franchise. I think they allude yeah. to Lipstick Man or Lipstick Face, which is that black and red demon that you see in the first film he's that's where he's come from he's set out from that uh, area or is yeah. set loose from the main child in the first film what i didn't understand or i wanted to be told is you know what why 
it's this why why is this yeah why is this thing here what is it doing yeah. and what's what's its purpose and i think in horror we we do need a little bit more of that in order to you know there's it's all right having the jump scare and you know i'm i get scared i don't get scared but i i, I jump in the right places you know i'm i'm a I'm not a horror aficionado, but I do appreciate a spooky story and I do appreciate, you know, a good good bit of tension and things like that. And this has that, but it, it, it there's no depth to any of it. And then you can anyone can uh, scare you by changing the music volume or changing having a sound effect come in or popping a, a hand over or a face in the background. But yeah, if you have you ah! if you've yeah, seen anything like um, a woman in black and paranormal activity that reminded me like well, obviously a lot of these are born out of that film yeah and uh, we've got some good horror uh, that sort of changed a uh, quiet place and uh, get out yeah, which good. is okay a very different genre film a horror if you yeah. like but the quality is is just that you could do so much more with the quality and it's better it's, for it's, me it's, it doesn't make any sense i mean let's say after like we see this but we then flash forward to her as she is now, you know, French kissing a dog, whatever. Yeah. Um, gets out of bed and she gets a phone call and she's like obviously a ghost hunter now. Um, and it's, it's, it's someone's living in her old house, which she ran away from, and she has to go back and um, they want it, he wants her to come back and get rid of the ghosts that is haunting him. <sighs> um, and this is the so, thing, right? She's having these kind of flashbacks as well, isn't she? So there is she. Yeah, she's she, having the nightmares. She's having nightmares. So there is a purpose for her to go back to this house. I think internally she wants to go and exercise what's happening in her brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's her job. It's like she's like, uh. and then she has, and then we're introduced to the comic relief. Oh god. Uh, with the, these two mullet man. Oh, two really bad actors. Yeah. That kind of remind you of several other characters but done really poorly and then she makes them dress up in like a weird couple of suits men in black yeah i didn't know if that was a hark back to other another insidious film or not i don't god knows but yeah yeah, they play specs and tucker these two chaps that are like the paranormal investigators and they've got this big black van uh they're called spook inspectors or something aren't they (laughs) so yeah so uh tucker is like a a chatty version of silent bob Yes. Um, and Specs is just your, your bog standard nerd. Yeah, Tucker is uh, obsessed with lights, which is I thought was a good. I thought it was a nice idea because yeah, in all these films, and I thought it would actually play out to be something. But again, it's one of these opening threads that doesn't go anywhere. So like he was going, like he was trying to make automatic light systems so that when you know the spooky shit happens, he can just turn the lights on. Yeah. Um, which which makes everything less spooky. Yeah. Everyone knows this. And then it, yeah, it didn't go anywhere. It just didn't no. go anywhere. He gives specs some spec lights, um, and he seems happy with those. And then that's kind of like his input. But yeah, they, they drive off to Five Keys, New Mexico. Now, ooh, is that does that mean something? Again, we never find out because nothing's ever mentioned ever again. You know, because he's got five key hands, isn't he? Oh, yeah, Did the five yeah. keys come from his name? Who knows? I mean, it was such a cl- um, that was a clangor. I mean, that was as soon as I saw that that's where they were going, thinking, oh, there's the connection. But it's yes, you say it's never. Explained never, who, wh- yeah. why has this thing got why? five keys on <laughs> his hand? He ever uses fucking two, yes, he uses two, he uses two one to do the heart and one to do the throat, yeah, yeah. and then he uses two keys. And then the whole time, like you know, he, he got the final key, but yeah. it didn't seem to make any difference. The last key do, it was like, in his possession. The, the last key that the whole entire title of the film <laughs> is, is, is handed to him in the first five fucking minutes. <laughs> 
And it's never taken away. It's not like they've gone, Ray, we got rid of, we got the, we got the keys back and shut some doors. No, nothing happens. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> fucking happens. It really annoys me. So back to the, the plot as it was. So then, then we got this, this guy that brought them to the house, he, he, he lives alone and he's boarded up, um, the, uh, he's blocked the door where her old bedroom, because he's scared of it. Mm. Um, he's blocked it up with the Bibles and stuff. Then we have like a... It's again, it's a horror trope. So for some reason, uh, she's left in the house alone. They all leave her in the house alone so she can... Um, Wander around. Spirits. So, you know, she's, she stood there and she said, right, yeah, I need, I can... Oh, there's so many spirits that you got. You know, they don't show us these so many spirits. We have to take her word for it. From what we can see, we can see everything else. We can see both you know, the, the living people and the dead people because we're, we're viewers of the film, but we can't see these additional spirits she's babbling on about. Yeah. Um, so she's full of... So they leave her in a house alone. She obviously turns the light off to make it more atmospheric for herself. Um, <laughs> walks around with the least powered torch I've ever seen in my life that has the ability to highlight exactly one centimetre of fucking space in front of her. Wow. Um, <laughs> And she's got this camera. This is this really fucking annoyed me, right? Yeah. So she's the paranormal savant who can see dead people, right? right. So she's wandering around this house. Yeah. Yes. Um. There's oh shadow running feet, giggling noise. Follow me. Um. <laughs> so she's 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 traping around the house, right? And then and it keeps cutting between her view in real life or us with her. Um, to a camera mounted on her chest in like a weird first-person view, which yes. is obviously what they're seeing in the van. Now, at one point, she's panning around, and they're like, oh, look, there's someone right in front of you. And like she's like, I can't see anybody. Why can't she see her? Um, I don't know. <laughs> she can see ghosts. They can't see ghosts. They're not... I mean, they've never seen it before. They're not even going batshit crazy. They're not even sort of going... Ray. Is it the only reason why? Is it is it is the only reason why she can't see? It is because it's dark. Oh no, because she's got a torch. <laughs> she's got a torch, and she's like, you know, she ends up by in like reaching out and being like centimeters from her, and then something grabs her yes, from behind. Yes, yes, and then she wakes up downstairs or something. Yeah, but yeah, it just fucking annoyed me that it, there was this weird concept where all of a sudden everybody else apart from her could see a ghost. Yeah, you know, that makes no sense. Makes sense. But then, you know, that's what we're, why we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop. What? Go back. To the left. What? Yeah, nothing. Well, I saw some feet. Feet? Lisa. There's someone right in front of you. Looks like a woman. I don't see anything. like a, a a plot pivot really where we go from this sort of standardized sort of tail end of a ghost film where you kind of nearly see a ghost a lot to kind of a silence of the lambs kind of situation where um we see what is obviously a ghost in a room um and it turns out it's not a ghost in a room it's a a, a woman 
held captive in one of the many rooms, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Beneath yeah. this by the sprawling palace of a house. By the new psycho owner. But the ghost the ghost is kind of saying keeps telling her to save her, save her or something, doesn't she? Yeah. Um so she does, and obviously stumbles across this woman who's still alive, chained up to the wall. Um and then we find out that the the chap that's um living there has asked him to come and investigate has been holding a woman captive in his basement. Now, yeah. now if you were <laughs> imprisoning somebody in your house you wouldn't ask people to wander around it would you no and he's no. and unaccompanied by yourself so don't go in there there's laundry and stuff in there don't go in there yeah or, definitely no ghosts in this bit yeah but he's he's quite happy for her to wander around downstairs and all you can say is i told you not to go in that in that area or something with his but the um do you know did you like the way that he's hidden the door by putting a small amount of plaster yeah over the keyhole hmm Really? No, but I mean, you're telling me that every time he goes in that room, he then puts a little bit of plaster over the top of the keyhole. What's the point of the having the... I mean, did, did, does he just throw her in a room and leave her there? Or does he actually... Well, he's been keeping yeah. her alive for like six months or, was it, or two years or something. He's, he's been in there for a long time. Yeah, she's been in ages. So obviously that this spirit that was released when she was a kid, this spirit, this demon, the finger person, has <laughs> has is driven people a bit mad and, and, and gets them to do sort of sinister stuff like kidnap women and keep them in a basement. Because we do find out later on that the, her dad was doing this very same thing whilst she was still living there. In an in almost yes. identical way, right? Yes, and uh, this I kind of liked. I liked I liked this little tiny bit of this this bit of section of the film where we see this bit go back, and then she finds like the negligee, and then she works out that one of the ghosts she saw in her youth was actually not a ghost; it was just one of these girls that had escaped. Yes, that's right. And which she um, then, and then kills. He kills. And then and... He's, yeah, he's dead. Then he beats her to death. And then this is one of the spirits. So this is, I guess, was the spirit that was haunting the other mental guy, and actually you know so she was actually like a good spirit oh yeah yeah if you put it that way she was actually trying to um so, so she was haunting this guy because she wanted to stop him from you know killing another woman yeah so then they they find her like a her negligee which makes her remember you know, like the memory on this woman right she's like i recognize this what must be 40 year old negligee that's been rolled up and stuffed in a thingy bob in an air vent I recognise that I recognise that from that very brief moment when I was a child and it's definitely the same one (laughs) there was a bit Matthew which um, I was wincing at which is when the paranormal investigator guy the sidekick put his hand through the vent uh, which has got oh, the yeah. blades and everything in it to try and to get this negligee, which I, don't, I can't, I don't know how he managed to find it was there. Uh, and you're thinking, oh, right, here we go. So, you know, the, the generator's going to yeah. kick in. Yeah. He's going to lose his arm or something. But yeah, it's done in a way that makes you want to think it's going to happen, sort of thing. <laughs> Especially because he's so annoying. You know, this guy could do with losing an arm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a bit of a sex pest as well, wasn't he? He was a bit of a creepy, creepy yeah, guy. Yes. I mean, they're all quite creepy in mm. this film, apart from the ghosts, weirdly. So they, they then, they, then this is the bit I like. So that they, she then goes and um, uh, they, then uh, from the bottom of the negligee, there's a thread that leads off back into the tube again to this massive, massive tube. I thought it was a small tube. It was a huge tube. And then there's a suitcase there and she opens it up and it's like, oh, you know, and she really like, works out the person's name, blah, 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 blah. blah. Oh, there's a skull so, in the suitcases. There's like five yeah, or six yeah. suitcases in this tunnel. Yeah, so then she goes around the corner and there's a big pile of suitcases and she realises that her dad had not just killed one woman, but, like, many, many women. But this one moment of, like, oh, that's quite cool, was then instantly fucking ruined by the 
bait and switch bump fucking scare yeah. that they kept teasing and not delivering teasing and they're not delivering and it's just like ah, because because we've seen this so many times we we know that if someone opens something up full screen with a, a void or something behind it when they close it there's almost certainly going to be a face or something behind it because we've seen this happen so many times yeah so now what these hack-eyed fucking filmmakers do is they tease you that with the music. So the music goes... And then it's like, oh, fine, fine. They've done the, the switch on one time. And then he opens up another case. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, oh, for God's sakes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like hearing... Um, Without having the oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really just annoying. You're like, oh god, and then eventually, in the last case, it just jumps out of the case straight away. But it's just like because the audience is so jaded by this obvious technique now. Um, the the famous one is opening a fridge door and then shutting it again, and then the fuckers there. No, the, the, um, the famous one is is, is the uh, bathroom cabinet mirror, isn't it? Oh, yeah, so close the bathroom, open the bathroom thing, close the bathroom cabinet mirror. Yeah, and yeah, or, or wiping the you. steam off, off of it and seeing <laughs> the character behind you. <laughs> yeah, but everyone's so used to it that they have to sort of, like, do it to a point where you doesn't happen and then do it to actually try and get yeah. again. It's, it, it, but as I said, that's not something that's unique to this film, is it? all of these cheap, cheap horror films. And they are cheap. I mean, and the things we normally talk about money, let's quickly chat about money. These fucking films make a lot of money. Uh, so it was made for 10 million. 10 million pounds. Huh? So, um, so the, you know, like, like we can say, that the, 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 the ta- acting talent is very much top-loaded in this film. Yeah. Uh, with one person. So 10 million quid. Um, I wouldn't imagine, Matthew, sorry to interrupt you, I wouldn't imagine she would yeah. have been paid a great deal anyway, right? Not 10 million. No. <laughs> um, uh, made $67.5 million in the USA and $144 million worldwide. Wow. To, but yeah, off £10 million. So I can't sit through this is going to be the last Insidious film that they make. No, I mean, I, they even t- tease it at the end, obviously. Uh, but Well, they don't. They, yeah. What they tease at the end is the oh, beginning yeah, of, the, of the first film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think they are making another one. I think they are doing another because I think this isn't. No, I think it's this franchise has got legs, isn't it? It's like the other one. Um, there's another one similar, isn't there? Insidious it's, and it's uh, another of these films where they're very clever with the release date. So this one was like released on what seventh of January, seventh mm. of January. So it's like um, a, a dead week, you know. And that, and we know that there are serial serial cinema goers. People that just go to the cinema, um, they don't go with any particular plan to watch a film. Yeah. They just go to the cinema, and if you're going to the cinema on the seventh of January, your choices are probably quite slim. And the other thing as well is that you know you kind of got a bit of Christmas fatigue, haven't you? You want something that's a bit of a uh, a change for the sickly sweet last couple of you know weeks, months that you've had dealing with the Christmas period and you want something to maybe take you out of that and a good horror is something that might sort of cleanse the palate if you like yeah yeah if you if you, if you like and, and this wouldn't uh, be what you were looking for I don't think I think you've been disappointed no. well lots of people were back to the the, the film and the plop 
<laughs> um, so after we've done the, the suitcase thing, then we're, then we're introduced to um, the guy you spoke about earlier, Mr. Mr. Rubberman from X-Men. Uh, and he turns out to be uh, his her brother. Yeah, she, yeah. Um, that hasn't spoken to since she was like 12 or 10. And yeah. He, he's, he's still harboring a grudge. But he has two um, two attractive daughters in in, in a no way horror tropey kind of fashion. <laughs> uh, no shoehorn some attractive people in. Uh, so this is the weird part. So like he doesn't want anything to do with her at all. And then later on, she finds his whistle from when he was a boy. This whistle turns out to be incredibly important. It keeps getting nicked off of her during the film by various ghosts. It was uh, given to her brother by her mum to say if ever you were in trouble. You know, and the thing is, as soon as she said this at the beginning of the film, you know, you think to yourself, "All right, I know this is going to win now." Then, <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes. It was like, like you, yeah, it couldn't be any better telegraphed if they'd sent it via telegram. And then, he, so so she sends him a picture of it, or gets a picture of this whistle too, and go, "Look what I've got," and then promptly disappears off the face of the earth. And so he decides to go to the horribly haunted house where he had horrendous nightmares as a child yeah a house that he doesn't know is no longer occupied search the house for this whistle randomly just search it search all over the place for this whistle it seems strange and then during this is when um, one of his daughters gets key locked yeah he gets a, she gets attacked and she by the uh, the uh, yeah key key man but yeah, he's like, well, what? this is this is the bit where well, he's like, oh, what your fucking key is it? Is it, is it the little finger key? No, I never use that one for anything. <laughs> is it is it the the the, the 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 ring finger key? No, I don't use that one for anything. <laughs> <laughs> is it the thumb key? Never use that one. I don't even know what that's for. I think that one does the garage. Um, no, it's 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 this one, the, the one key that I use for every fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, annoyed, annoyed by the key thing. So yeah, so then he um, he steals, he locks her soul. I don't know, I, I don't know what the, the the actual terminology was, but yeah, he he shuts her voice up because he gets annoyed easily, and then he, he steals her soul and locks her off, and that creates the uh, the requirement to go into the down under. <laughs> Oh, Matthew! Before you go any further, the one thing I noticed about the demon guy is that yeah. when he when he lock he locks shuts her voice to stop her from screaming, he yeah. goes shh, <laughs> but he's got no lips. You can't make that sound without lips. It's just <sighs> that's what that's that's it without lips. <sighs> Maybe that's his demon power to be able to shush without lips. There you go. So just thought I noticed that straight away. You've got no lips, so how are you shushing? It's true. You can't shush without lips. It's just like, you're like a cat. (laughs) Anyway, this is podcast gold. But carry on. Yes. Um, Yeah, so then uh, since he becomes the reason uh, to be able to go down under, (laughs) not to Australia. Um, To the the further. To To the further. To the further. I've been to the further before, but never so deep. Never so deep. <laughs> um, deep. And then, yeah, so she she goes, I, don't, I can't remember how she gets to the further, the, the, but one of them takes her there. Yeah, they get, she get, then, they get put in a, in one, behind one of the doors. And, yeah. Um, the, the rest of the film is just based on, basically, now, you know, Eloise 
wandering around the various rooms trying to well she gets locked up as well doesn't she and then the second sister oh, so it's the second being... sister's got powers because she is a sibling yeah so she can do it too yeah she can do the thing too and then the two chuckle brothers suddenly have powers of hypnosis here careful with your head she's on the other side somebody has to go in and help her yeah who's gonna do that i can't do that can you do that i didn't say i can do it I can help her. Close your eyes. Listen to the ticking. Three, two, one. When I say now, you will open your eyes and you will be on the other side. So then they then she goes and she goes to find um, Elise and and her sister. Um, she goes to help out, um, and then the, the, then we're introduced. And, and the weird thing is, is like as this film goes on, it just becomes less and less scary. It loses kind of all of its kind, hmm. of, well, and then it just becomes like I said earlier, like a poor poor version of Hellraiser two. I don't know if you ever saw Hellraiser two. Yeah, well, I've never seen any of the Hellraiser films, but I think you know just from being an adult, being around <laughs> you know that slasher gory movie VHS video yeah. nasty thing. Um, I'm a very much aware of the characters and the way what what they look like and how they how they're stylized. Yeah, so it, it did very much remind me of that in the sense that it's quite clearly like a hellish kind of land where uh, there was like crime and punishment. So like he he's so demon guy is trying to well it, her dad's down there as a ghost and um uh, um assumes the position on the wall that she did as a as a child. And she gets to beat the shit out of him for a bit before realizing that's exactly what the demon wants. So oh, the demon she... feeds off anger and stuff, doesn't it? And anger and fear and the oh. dark side. Yeah, so typical <laughs> shite. So she turns it around. Typical um... demon food. Yeah. So then she goes, "No, I'm not going to do it anymore. I love my daddy, even though he's a horribly abusive twat." <laughs> but Eloise's so character that she, Eloise, the character rather the main character the lady she's so hey ho or ho hum about it all isn't she's like oh here we go again she's like is it this is so normal to her um yeah nothing is hell again yeah it's it's just sort of like this is some serious shit going down and uh, she just seems to take it all very much in her stride yeah she's got like a a metal collar around her neck Mm. like 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 the prisoners did in in the in the in the real world Mm. um but she's not chained to anything and again, it's one of those things where it's there, has no fucking purpose. No, what's the point? What's the point in it? It didn't do anything. No. It was like, oh, we should have a metal collar around her neck. Why? Well, it look cool, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't even look cool. I'm sorry, it doesn't. <laughs> so we... we, <laughs> and, we, we and, and then we see... Go on, sorry. Sorry, no, it's funny, Karen. I can't remember what I was going to say now. Well, I think but we have the, the payoff where ultimately it's like a, um, a Ripley... Um, and yeah. alien mother, uh, alien queen type scenario where she uh, get away from her, you bitch. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of thing, and and then the uh, so, and and the, it's all due to the whistle. So Eloise is about to be second key locked, so she's been like shut up, shut up, mm-hmm. key locked, and then he's about to use exactly the same fucking key to do the the 
to stealing of her soul thing, even though she's already there. You could kind of, you already had her. You could just kept her locked in the cage if you wanted to, but no, fuck it. So, but and then uh, one of her uh, her nieces, nieces, nieces has the whistle, and she goes here, yeah! and then does the <laughs> really typical thing of throwing it really poorly to somewhere near her. <laughs> oh yes, than actually, like you know, she could have just walked over. To be fair. She wasn't that far away. Could have walked over and handed it to her. Yeah, yeah. Blown it herself. But anyway, um, so she gives it to her. She gives it a blow, and then boosh, up, up pops mummy. Yes. And does the old get away from her? She's got like a lantern. She's like Florence Nightingale with a light. And um, she just basically most... sucker punches the demon with the with the <laughs> lamp, and it's just and that's yeah. it. Hands off my little girl. <laughs> <laughs> It's the biggest anticlimax to anything ever, right? So this, and I thought to myself, there's got to be more. There's got to be, things got to come back and then they've got to like get rid of its keys or shut the fucking door or something. Something that ties this back to all that weird MacGuffin shit at the start. Yeah. But no, like she twats him with the lamp and that's it. Game over. They all just walk home. I mean, I've got like a little right. checklist here of things that I was making as I was watching the film, okay? So, right, yeah. you know, creepy kids, check. Creepy kids, yep. Disturbing drawings, check. Power cuts, check. Check. Jump scares, absolutely check. Foreshadowing, check. There is a whistle. Okay, that's not a check, but there's not usually a whistle <laughs> in most of them. Creepy hand, no. check. Torchlight, yeah, shoddy torchlight batteries, check. Dodgy night vision, Check. Check. Creepy house. Absolutely. <laughs> and the other thing is, no one does anything with the lights on, do they? Not a thing. No. no. At no point. At no point does she walk downstairs and flick a switch. No. To be honest, are we the sort of right people to be reviewing a horror film? Considering neither of us are really big, you know, horror hounds, are we? No, but as you pointed out there, you know. Um the good ones i think transcend and uh I, I know that's not what we're doing we're not reviewing good films so i guess uh but i've seen enough i guess horror films i like some of the 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 more um you know i, I love the classics mm. you know, evil dead um day of the dead there's a lot of dead in this section um even some of the weird um like argentino films uh the strange fucking Italian. Oh, they're they're, they're too bad. They're too much for me. Yeah, I've, I've watched them, so I wouldn't say that um, I'm opposed to horror films, uh, and I wouldn't say I've only ever watched sort of good horror films. But in recent years, it's just I think we found this is like if you're making a cheap film, you make a horror film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what we've seen, it's like it's yeah, it's the go-to. It's like, right, I'm going to make a cheap film. Oh yeah, just bash out a horror then, mate. Because I think because you can, and also for young filmmakers as well, it's an it's an easy style to ape. There's some really obvious techniques to it. Whereas like if you're doing like a an emotional drama or something or comedy, you know, those two scalar things. If you're trying to elicit emotion, if you're trying to elicit laughter. The easiest emotion to try and get out of people is terror or uh, gross out, you know. So you get like horror porn kind of Ugh. things. It's it's really it's really really um, 
cheap. I mean, even as you can say this one, and, and, and like one of the things you could label, you couldn't label this film is that it, it didn't look cheap in any way. Uh, the cinematography was decent. Um, I, the forced darkness was quite obvious in a few scenes where quite obviously it was lighter and they've darkened up the whole entire fucking thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause you get that weird halo around stuff where it's obviously lighter than darkened up. Um, but apart from things like that, I mean, like I said, the opening four or five, 10 minutes where, um, you know, it had very much, you know, it didn't look too different from, um, uh, oh, Shutter Island, you know, it's got that sort of, that Oh kind yes. Of yes. Something arriving. And then, the, you know, the, the oil pumps in the middle of the prison, <laughs> weird um now i say it out loud but yeah it was it was shot nice there's i think they probably top loaded you know the good shots the cinema the good little bits of cinematography that they had um in favor of getting people to go oh actually this is a high quality production but then you know like you say it's uh it's, it's quite cheap to do the rest of it and like we you know they didn't break any molds on character designs you know, it's, it's all straight out of the uh, Del Toro playbook, really. There's a couple of factoids for you here if you want to listen to those. Uh, Matthew, would you like to hear a couple? Please. Fine, good, thank you very much. In one scene, Eloise says that she can't forget the look on her mother's face while she was dying. But Ah, uh, yes, I noticed this. But in the actual scene, she had her back turned towards her mother and never looks back. And she was yeah. also having a fit at that very moment. So there's no way she would have been able to see her face. No. And as she was saying that line, I do remember thinking, hang on a minute, you never actually saw that. No. But then I thought to myself, was she like omnipresent at the time? Because she wasn't having a fit. She was in a, she was in the, she was in the upside down. She was in the special place. Yeah. The further. She was in, she was in the further. Yeah. She did that thing where the eyes went white, which is another yeah. common trope, right? Another little it's thing different. that's on the internet. Interneb, interweb. <laughs> interneb, I like Oof. that one. Um, interneb. Is if Eloise's father worked for a prison and the house was on the prison grounds, it would belong to the state. And even if the state closed the prison, it would still own the property and it would likely close the housing down or demolish it. It certainly wouldn't sell it with all of the personal furnishings and belongings from the 40, 50 years ago in the house. Yeah. And that chap at the very beginning who buys the house, sinks all this money into it, buys it as it is, connected to a prison. Yeah, and, a, and an oil well. It does not make sense. <laughs> no. Uh. So, yeah, as mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I managed to get a few words, or quite a few words, actually, with Helen O'Hara, who's a film journalist, as I mentioned. So here's that interview now. Hello, it's Chris from the Movie Bunker podcast, and I'm delighted to be joined by one of the UK's leading film journalists, Helen O'Hara. Hello, Helen, and welcome to The Bunker. Thank you very much. I'm not sure I'd agree with your, your description. <laughs> kind, thank you. For those who may be not familiar with your work, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Uh, I worked on staff at Empire for just under 11 years and then went freelance, and I'm now Empire's editor-at-large, so I'm still kind of connected to the mothership. Yeah. Um, but then I get to write for other people as 
people and, and generally sort of loaf about the place without having to go into the <laughs> office every day. And you're heavily connected to the, the podcast as well. Yes, I do the Empire podcast pretty much every week as long as, you know, I'm actually able to. And it's great. I, I love it because I think there was a time in the office when we, were, we all got really busy and stressed out and, and we forgot to sort of talk nonsense, basically. Yeah. And, and then when we started doing the podcast, we obviously, as anyone who listened to it will know, started talking nonsense again. Yeah. And, uh, and it kind of really brought us back to ourselves as a team at Empire and it was it was really good it's been really good I think you do get the the sense that you're all lifelong friends as well as you know colleagues I've been listening mm. to the, the podcast I think since episode one so I'm a long time listener wow. and it has evolved but not a great deal I mean you still got that um really kind of makes down a pub type feel or like office chat <laughs> if you like and I think that's what's really endearing about it and I think a lot of other podcasts would probably would uh, aspire to be a little bit like that or at least have the content and and the kind of banter that you guys all have in my opinion well thank you i mean i think that yeah it is i mean it is really kind of just banter and, and nonsense and and it's very loose no but it's very good um now it's part of your job on on the empire podcast to review the latest films and whether they be good or bad but in the bunker, our goal is to review as many critically panned films as we possibly can in the vain hope that one day we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll find something that Matt and my co-host and I will celebrate and say, look, this doesn't deserve the critics uh, rating and therefore should be removed from the pit and onto your DVD shelf. Now, it hasn't happened yet, <laughs> but I'm really interested to find out about the critics viewpoint on things. So obviously, mm. a critic can review a film, but, but we're agreeing with the critics probably wholeheartedly and what we're finding is some of the best content for our podcast is actually looking at the reviews on imdb by people that actually are giving it 10 out of 10s what what is it that they are uh, finding good yeah about the film i mean when i mean you know look not far, yeah, far bit for me to sort of argue with anyone's enjoyment of ends you know there are less objectively good in that I probably eat from than any number of the good ones. You know, mm. on a very basic level, if you get home and you're a bit kind of unwind for, you don't put on Schindler's List. No, no. You know, you put on The Wedding Planner <laughs> or something. If it brings you joy and if it speaks to you, then got more speed, you know, speed and more power to you. That's, yeah. I agree. And I think we, we are... Uh, sort of uh, the ethos is really to to celebrate something even out of the bad stuff so even if there is a, a particularly good performance or there's a nice yep. bit of cinem cinematography or uh, or anything really that you can pull out of it so for instance you know 2012 is is critically quite bad and the storyline's pretty clunky but Woody Harrelson is fantastic and and uh, <laughs> completely crazy um, yeah. it's difficult to find something like from a film we did recently, uh, Pain and Gain, which uh, actually had quite a high score in terms of its critic uh, mm -hmm. score, but um, had such a deplorable content in terms of its theme and, and just the way that all the characters portrayed. Our um, sort of ethos is as well as, you know, can The Rock save this film? And I think even, <laughs> the, even The Rock couldn't save Pain and Gain, and or we still forgive him. Well, this is it. I, there's a lot of good stuff about Pain and Gain. I was... I was really uh, optimistic for it, is perhaps the word, just because I'd read the, the story on which it's based, the, the mm. gigantic, I think, four-piece or three-piece magazine story, which I find absolutely fascinating. So I was kind of interested in it from that angle, and I was kind of comparing it mentally to, to what I'd read. 
yeah. and, and perhaps enjoyed it more than its merits would dictate. I haven't been tempted to go back to it. No, it's a one-off. I will admit. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. a one-off. Yeah. In the office, how are these films divvied up amongst you? You do have to fight for the good ones and then you kind of, you pick the, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the ones that you kind of have a feeling aren't going to be very, very good out of a hat or something? Um, it, certainly there is a bit of a pecking order and, uh, you know, we, we don't give, you know, the interns or the, the new writers, uh, you know, the, the sort of Avengers Infinity War <laughs> of this world. And when I started, I, I was very sent to the absolute one-star disasters. Mm. And, and I think, I mean, it, to be honest, in some ways it's a gift because it's a heck of a lot easier to write a one-star review than mm. a three-star one in a mm. lot of cases. Um, yeah. If you feel strongly either way, you can always write a review pretty easily. If, if you're if you're kind of meh on something, mm. those are the hardest reviews to write. Um, so, so, yeah, so... Uh, I mean, the ideal historically at Empire has been that we we sort of we with the person who has the best take on it that we ideally is be able to see it all together, and the person yeah. who sort of feels strongly that they have something really important to say about this that isn't always obviously the case. And I think mm. um, you know Terry uh, will sometimes through choice, sometimes through necessity, um, because we don't we can't get everyone along to see something. Well, mm. just someone, and they will be our voice for that film. But, you know, obviously there are times one of us disagrees with the rest, yeah. unfortunately has written the review. It's actually, um, generally speaking, we have at least a broad consensus. I think we have, you know, by virtue, we have similar-ish tastes in, and things from a similar-ish point of view. Yeah. I think look for entertainment value as what might be termed pure it's not just about the mise en or the shot it's also about did we have a good time watching it if that's the appropriate measure for this film yeah, yeah. so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit um there's no real fast rules i guess but no and one it can, can be fraught i yeah. mean I've, I've i was going to say does anyone sort of step ahead, in sorry. No, no, say, does anyone, you were just going to say really about stepping in and, and, and maybe if, for instance, Chris Hewitt wants to give uh, the clone, uh, not the Phantom Menace, but the <laughs> other one, a five stars. Does anyone sort, yeah. of, sort of say, hang on a second, I mean, you know, this is, this is written, this is ink, and it's on page, <laughs> on paper forevermore. <laughs> As Chris talks into that rather than being <laughs> out of it. So, what was it? it wasn't um, the Clone Wars? What was it? Uh, Attack of the Clones. It was Attack of the Clones. Yes, yeah, it was Attack of the. So, so yeah. Sometimes our uh, our group discussions have less than happy outcomes. Yeah. Um, but I think there have been times when, well, I can speak when I was reviews editor. This is a few years ago. There have been times when a review came in, and I thought to myself, "Wait, that doesn't sound like the film I saw." Mm-hmm. And we would maybe have discussed it in the office, and maybe. The review if we thought it was wildly off base mm. for an empire position but that's really a last resort i mean the, the, i can think of like you know i've been associated with the magazine for you know a decade and a half i can give uh, at most a handful of times when that's happened mm. it's very very rare because um because we tend to just talk about it in advance and, and think about it in advance yeah now, there are times and and i think actually attack of the clones to be fair to chris was one of them where you're reviewing under a time pressure um yeah. so uh, i i think i can talk about this so the force awakens when that came out 
we were going to press the evening of the first screening, which was two days before release, and they would only give us one seat for the morning screening, the only screening that would meet our deadline. Right. So one person was going to have to go to that screening and get it right yeah. and write the review in about two and a half, three hours. A lot of pressure, especially given, you know, the history of maybe yeah. getting Star Wars wrong. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that, was, that, was a, that was a pretty, um, you know, scary pressure. Um, I, I drew the short or long straw. I'm still not sure which one. Yeah. I got to see it first, which is great, but then I had to make sure to write the review. And I feel like I got it right. I I'm quite happy with my review. Yes, um, yes. But it was, it was pressure. I was one of the one of the ones checking my Twitter feeds every sort of five minutes, waiting for the reviews for that film to come in. And it was a great film, and it ticked a lot of boxes. And it's made it just goes to show what you know, you know, thirty years of cinema can do to character development and, and representation on screen. And I, I think it was a fantastic effort, and it's still a great go-to film for me. I think The Force Awakens. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and you know, I got I got grief from some of my colleagues for saying that I thought. Was uh, was the best Star Wars, and the Last Jedi came along and made me look so. Uh, so that yeah. was kind of fun. Do your um, it's kind of internal alarm bells go off when when you hear of a film not being screened for press? Um, used to more than they do now. I think more and more common for uh, screenings to be kind of last minute uh, and even not to happen for some very good films, uh, which is upsetting, obviously, as yeah. a critic. So we prefer to see it uh, well in advance. But, um, but it's less of a stigma, maybe. Um, yeah. I think there are still films where everything looks, you don't see it, and you can it's going to be bad. But even mm. there are films where they've just been called the decision not to screen it for critics. And it doesn't necessarily mean the film's t- terrible. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't think of a recent example. I think it happens more with um, genres that the critics don't particularly go for anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, historically, any film not aimed at white middle-aged men has had a tougher time with critics than the ones that are. Yes. Um, but something like Fifty Shades of Grey, for example, didn't screen at all for critics. Mm. I think the first one was fine. Mm. I mean, it wasn't brilliant. But as, an ad- as far as adaptations of that book go, mm. I'm not sure how much better you could have done. Um, so I think they were maybe, you know, erring on the side of caution there and, and just not, not screening at all. Well, the one that um, the most recent film was Venom, I think, although that was screened for critics, I believe, wasn't it? Or did that? That was quite late oh, on, okay. but it was screened for critics. Yeah, yeah. But that, I think that sort of brings me on to another subject, really, or another issue with with criticism is obviously before that film was even released or um you know out to the general public it was kind of it's kind of panned if you like before it's even given been given the opportunity and such a lot of negative uh, vibes about venom and then it didn't look particularly great the, the, the you know the trailer was a little bit you know uh, dated or it didn't seem to to bring across what they were trying to do and the concept of the character without, you know, the hero alongside, i.e. Spider-Man. And, and now it's having, a, I mean, it's doing very well, I think, I believe. It's, yeah. it's, it's number one, it's, uh, I think, and, and number two is uh, uh, Bradley Cooper 
Lady Forest Born, yeah. That's the one, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. And, and look, uh, you know, films with good reviews do on average tend to do better. I think that then maybe offered people something that they wanted to see, and that's mm. that's fine. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good elements to it. You know, Tom yeah, yeah. Hardy has a huge fan base, and rightly so. Yes. Um, Michelle Williams does have a lot of goodwill, and rightly so. You know, there's yes. a lot of reasons you might want to see that film. Riz um, Ahmed as well. And you might just want to see a standalone, big, silly action movie. Riz yeah, Ahmed, yeah. a fantastic guy. I mean, this is the thing, you know, if you know, you'll know on the podcast, we kept not being excited about the premise of the movie, but with every piece of casting, we kind of had to take a moment and think, well, I yeah. mean, yeah, that's pretty good. That's <laughs> yeah. really promising. Yeah. Why would they? Enough if it was terrible. So, yeah, exactly. you know, I, I don't, I mean, Venom wasn't particularly my bag, but I didn't hate it. No, it was, good. it was there. It happened. It was fine. I'm, I'm sure it's the same. I will catch yeah. it when it's released, probably, you know, on, on Sky eventually and sit down with a beer and a pizza <laughs> and, and really enjoy it probably for what it is, as you say. But um, yeah. it's an interesting issue, I guess, when, you know, if you're listening and you're absorbing yourself with the sort of uh, film media, it's easy to get to get sucked into uh, all that kind of pre-buzz about a film, whether it's good or bad. And then, you know, ultimately, it's what you take from it that's important, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you before. Uh, I was not going to keep you too much longer because I know you, you've got lots. Of, you're very busy. Um, but have you got a guilty pleasure? Oh God, of- so many. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not very guilty about them. I'll be honest. No, but no. Um, but you know, I I I um, I mean, I I do like a rom com occasionally. And yeah. uh, I went. Through, I was at one point. I looked at my collection. This is sort of in my twenties. I kind of realised that my collection was more designed to look non embarrassing on a shelf than it was to include the films that I wanted to watch most often. And I started to kind of correct decide not to worry about what people thought anymore yeah yeah um and essentially that meant buying a huge number of rom-coms yeah so um so yeah i mean you know i genuinely i mentioned the wedding planner before but i will genuinely watch that film at the drop of a hat i think it's Mm. really underrated i think it's a really charming little film and my great like she did a couple of sort of mid noughties comedies uh and I think is a really fun little comedy. And I think it's another thing that because it was aimed at teenage girls, it didn't get a lot of respect. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I have, but yeah, I'm not particularly guilty. No, it's not. It's know, not silly stuff. To go back to. It's not really, <laughs> it's not a great question because I guess it's saying, you know, we should be <laughs> celebrating, you know, the fact that you, you, you find enjoyment, yeah. in whatever it is. So I know it's not a guilty pleasure, but a pleasure in, in something that's, you know, critically panned. And I, uh, I think um, you've you've really recently released uh, a book, uh, haven't you? Um, about eighties. Yeah, um, I did a book on the best. Well, it, no, it's called the best eighties films. I have to say, I don't think that the word best is the right one, <laughs> but I would say it's like the most eighties films. Like these are the ones that are most eighties okay. of the eighties. Oh, know? that makes sense. Um, so it's you know the Gremlins, Goonies, uh, yeah, Ghostbusters yeah. kind of kind of movies. Great. Nothing's more eighties than Straight and Working Girl. You know. No. Yeah. So many of these eighties films haven't stood the test of time, and um, <laughs> you're very you can be very surprised when you're watching things like Teen Wolf and. Uh, uh, I don't know, Flight of the Navigator or anything like that, really, where there's, there's also, there's so much dodgy content <laughs> to these films. Yeah, yeah. It was a mixed blessing to go back to some of these. Um, I, I'd originally actually talked to the publisher about putting in Porky's. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, 
represent those sort of sex comedies. That was part of the 80s. We should talk yeah. about that. And then I watched it and I just, in all good conscience, I couldn't, I couldn't put it in a book. I just, no. I hated it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that is um, uh, questionable. And, and it's one of the reasons that I sort of, you know, w- was saying on our podcast recently that I think we, we ultimately, we do need to move on from the 80s. It has an outsized effect Yes. Uh, or, or influence on the films that we're making now. Mm. You know, with all of the, we're still making alien movies. We're still making Terminator movies. We're still making Predator movies. We're still mm. making Ghostbusters movies. You know, like at some point we have to say, guys, hang on. There are other decades, you know, and I mix it up just a little bit more. I, I worry, I worry that our geek culture and nerd culture is getting a little stagnated. Um, as a result but having said that I mean there's some just incredible movies in there yeah I was really and it has a good knock-on effect as you say to you know what's being made now and and that nostalgia for the 80s because the the one that springs to Mm -hmm. mind as you were saying was the the latest Transformers film the the Bumblebee film that looks rather quite Mm -hmm. good actually and that's it yeah it does but that looks 80s in a different way that looks more sort of um, trying to recapture the spirit of the, those Amblin films. And I'm mm. a bit of a gap in the market right now for kind of um, teen-led or kid-led adventure stories. I, I feel mm. like we haven't seen that many of those in the last few years, uh, on a, certainly on a large scale. You know, the way you had, you know, um, Gremlins or Goonies or something. Yeah, yeah, or Back yeah. to the Future. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I feel like that. You know, I'm I'm kind of willing to allow that. I'm hoping it will be good. I'm certainly hoping it will be better than the last couple of Transformers movies, which yeah. were just just mind-blowingly bad. Um, well, we, we've got a. Um, so, we're going we're, we're to line one of those up, I think, for a future podcast, probably the last night or something like that, because they are, yeah, as you say, pretty atrocious. But just to watch it and and actually see uh, if we can find anything good about it. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I'll tell- yeah. Anthony Hopkins. I'll tell you one good. <laughs> I'll tell you one good thing, and that 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 is the the quality of the effects. Maybe not so much in the very last one, but the quality of the effects in those movies is mm. astonishing. The work that ILM did on the Transformers themselves is, yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, there used yeah. to be a supercut somewhere online of all the transformations. Yeah. Um, and there's one uh, Optimus. I've probably talked about this in the podcast, so apologies if I'm repeating myself. But like Optimus Prime in truck form, rolling out of the back of a a passenger a, a, a transporter plane. Yes. Turning into a robot to skydive, yeah. la- roll landing on the ground, rolling forward and turning back into a truck as he drives off. I mean, it's yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a gorgeous yeah. piece of effect. <laughs> what a great guy Optimus <laughs> Prime is, isn't he? What a <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll let you go, but I just thought I'd let I just let you know what films we've got coming up, and just see if you've got a couple of okay. words you can say about each. Okay, so we're as it's Halloween, we're going to be doing uh, Insidious: The Last Key, which is quite a, a current movie for us. Any thoughts on that? Uh, you know what? I didn't I didn't see that one. To my oh, shame, okay. that was one that I don't think screened for critics, or if it did, not very very much. So I yeah, I, I have to catch up on it too. It's got a low. It's got a low score, so we're going to tackle that one. Right. But okay, you should have seen the, the the next one we've got lined up, which is uh, we've been trying to do for 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 months now. Is movie forty three? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I I a positive. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, charisma, maybe. I mean, there's some charisma in that movie, but okay. I look yeah. forward to seeing it. 
it's got a hell of a cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really good cast. Well, listen, Helen, thank you ever so much for uh, for coming on and speaking to me. It's been really great. And, uh, and good luck nice with the book. Thank you. Have you ever thought of the biggest celebrity monkeys? Or how about the best TV resurrections? If so, join me, Mark Rushlow, on... And his lovely wife, Jeanette. On Pop Culture Nickel, where we share random pop culture top five lists. Stay fresh at popculturenickel.podbean.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Pop Dirt Nation awaits. Just couldn't let me get the last word in, could you? Nope. Good interview, Chris. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. I was very lucky, I think. Very good. Hopefully there'll be more to come if I can persuade people to talk to me. (laughs) 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 But yeah, anyway, back to our show. Have you got any reviews? Because it is that time. The general gist of the... I'm I'm waving my hand around in true podcast gold. Mm. The general gist of um, the reviews is, is... it's basically, um, it's a good date movie. My first review um, is a 10 out of 10. But I'm going to read the review out, and then you have to guess what the title of the review is. Okay. okay. Right? Yeah. The best horror movies I have ever seen, I think. I'm never boring about anything Elise do. She's my favorite character in horror movie. Waiting for the next Insidious. What's the title of the review? 10 out of 10. The best horror movie I've ever seen, I think. I'm never boring. <laughs> what do you, what do and that was a good German accent. I've never heard you do that before. Uh, thanks, mate. Yeah. I've been Swedish, but never mind. Was it Swedish? <laughs> Jesus. It's generically Bavarian. I've got one. Um... Uh, no, you got to guess the title. So 10 out of 10. Yeah. The best horror movies I've ever seen. Oh. It's never boring. She's his favourite character in horror movie. And he's waiting for the next Insidious. It's got to be... Like, the best horror film is the title? Nope. Good. <laughs> Good is the uh, <laughs> is the title of that review. Good. There you go. I've got one, a 10 out of 10, because I'm only going to read 10 out of 10s, because we've, we've uh, slapped this movie down. We've slapped, we slapped it. Uh, this is 10 out of 10. It's called Wonderful Movie for a Date. I started this with my sweetheart. It was not too scary, but just scary enough for her to want to hold my hand throughout. (laughs) And while some parts are a bit confusing, it seems to come together in the end. (laughs) That's it. uh, It's not your fault. The review didn't seem to end. It just just trailed off. It's not even a good ending, is it, to that? That's it. No, just so you got a handhold out the whole lot. You got a handhold throughout, and with his sweetheart or her sweetheart. Okay. All right. I've got another short one. Okay. And again, I want you to guess, guess the okay. title. Okay. Uh, I think we've nailed what this game is, all right? Haven't we? From before. Yeah. I know the concept. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So another ten out of ten. It was super amazing. <laughs> Insidious would always be the best horror movie series. Best part of this movie is you never know when shit gets scary. <laughs> 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 I love the fact that. The best part is that you don't know when it's scary. You do. When shit gets, gets scary, you don't know. You don't know when it's going to get scary. Anything that's, sw- anything that's sort of scary in this film is pretty much signposted with all honking <laughs> cliches you've ever seen in horror films. <laughs> Here it comes. The dudes and brothers. <laughs> so, so, yeah, go on. What's the title of that one? Good. 
Sombre. <laughs> you never know. I would never guess that. <laughs> You're never going to guess that. I don't know if that's even a fucking word. Sombre. I've got one more because they're quite short, these ones, aren't they, today? I've got a quick a one, which is uh, a 10 out of 10. It's worth watching. Okay, here we go. According to my personal experience, the movie seemed pretty much amazing, and I would recommend this movie to all those horror movie fans. Although the storyline ain't that thick, they managed to cover all the flaws with the brilliant acting from Lin Shay and her so-called associates. Enjoyed it, and yeah, cool start to 2K18. <laughs> that was a perfect accent for that. We've come to the end, I think. Yes, there's no more to be said about this. Um, it was a, a pointless endeavour with loads and loads of tales of almost... There's a smell of a decent film here. That's mm. the problem with it. I think that's the most prob- the problem with it is that it wasn't entirely awful. It had a smell, a whiff, a little wisp <laughs> of a good film was poking out the end, and yeah. then it then it, it it didn't turn out to be. So that that's our Halloween special then, done and dusted. <laughs> I'm really I'm well. What's that behind out. you, Chris? What is it behind you? Don't because you see something in my uh, camera. What is it? Behind you, Chris. Just reach out your hand. <laughs> Touch the demon. There's one right there. <laughs> that's just my wife. <laughs> say, Are you coming to bed? <laughs> just turn up. Keep the, the noise down, please. I, I did. I did. I, I mentioned to you um, the, the scariest thing about this fucking film is weirdly I watched it at 5 a.m. I woke up early. I knew I could do the podcast. I hadn't quite seen it. I was planning on watching it after I got back in from work. But yeah. I thought, actually, no, fuck it. I'm up at 5 a.m. I may as well watch it. So I was watching it. And then um, <laughs> through the fucking film, my five year old child ran past my doorway <laughs> going to the toilet <laughs> and I nearly shit a brick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's just, um, it's just something completely taken out of the genre, isn't it? It's a, you know a small child running past the uh, yeah uh, in the corridor. I don't know if she was giggling or not because I had headphones in, but yeah, it was it was enough. So our next episode, we are definitely definitely going to do movie forty three. Yep. Okay. Again, yeah, your, uh, your your interview reaction um, really really sets it up for me. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Helen obviously has seen it and thought very little of it. So we're going to try and some, find something good uh, of uh, Movie 43. And if you want to get in touch with us and talk about it prior, obviously you can follow us on, on Twitter and our movie ha- uh, our uh, Twitter handle is movie underscore bunker. And on Facebook, we've got a page. Um, you can like us on there. Just search for the Movie Bunker podcast. And if you want to get in touch by old-fashioned email, we do have an email address, which is uh, the Movie Bunker podcast or Movie Bunker Podcast at gmail.com because it's free. Um, so get involved, <laughs> have a chat with us and send in your thoughts about Movie 43 or any other shockingly bad film you've seen recently uh, and we'll certainly... So, uh, any suggestions as well? Because we've got, we got new we got genres coming up we've got to do another action film, pointless remake, shitty sequel. We've got all of them coming back again. But Matthew, the season is almost upon us. Oh, it's Christmas time. Christmas films. We know Movie 43 we're definitely doing, so if you've got any ideas for shockingly mm. shite Christmas uh, shockingly films, shite. we'd like to hear from you, because I think we should have probably more than one as it's the season um, on the go of that. But yes, thank you for listening. I don't think there's anything else to say. There's nothing. You've done it all, mate. You said every single word that is to say. Is there anything you'd like to add, Matthew? Bye. Cheerio. Get a breath, mate, asshole.